0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.
1: My first question is, can they see the warm fire in the background? Nice. (laughs) Welcome back to Culture Insanity. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Yeah, we got a nice warm fire in the background, so I hope you feel cozy during this episode. Um, Yeah, this is episode number three of season three, Um, so we welcome you back. As I said uh, about 30 minutes ago on the Facebook page, for our female audience that will be tuning in or listening, either now or in the future, um, yeah, we welcome your input on this particular episode because it's the topics of 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 the day are predominantly female heavy and so we don't want to sound like a bunch of men on a couch you know talking about female exclusive things but obviously we don't exactly um, agree with that stance to begin with but we do welcome your input so um, if you have thoughts on today's show um, whether you're tuning in live or you'll, you'll be tuning in you know down the road Put them out there. Put them on the comments section of the video and um, and get into a dialogue with us about it because we're interested in what you think from a female perspective um, regarding today's topic. So uh, with that said...
2: I'll just channel my female side. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> You're already going to turn them against you by saying something like that. <laughs> so what we have on the docket for today is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the halftime show from the Super Bowl less than a week ago. Um, and then we got, there's a, there was a thing in the news maybe a week ago, about a week ago now with Julianne Huff, I think that's how you say her name. Huff, The former yeah, Dancing it's, with the Stars. It's Juliana.
0: Juliana?
2: Julianne. I think it's Julianne. Well, Jul- it's definitely Huff. Yeah. Yeah, Julianne Huff. Yes yeah, so she was- Like, really- like enough. Her brother's Derek. <laughs>
0: the G-H. Whoa! Somebody nice. watched
2: Dancing with the Stars. Somebody
1: watches Dancing with for the Stars.
2: Man, for many years, I was familiar with it. <laughs> Really? You watch it? I'm a very cultural guy. Oh, wow. (laughs) So
1: we're going to be talking about her. She was in the news controversially uh, in the last week for this practice that she's engaging in. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about The Handmaid's Tale and um, Darwin's influence on that. Um, And if we have time, we'll talk about um, this ministry that is in Kansas City that I think is interesting just to ask a couple questions about but um so yeah that's what's on the doc today so without further ado we'll start off with the the halftime show so josh said you didn't watch it so you have no idea really what the conversation's about
0: i don't know anything about sliding into first base or making uh or nothing nothing but net josh is just talking about sports uh,
1: ignorance in general
0: (laughs) i'm joking clearly (laughs) i know that that's baseball and basketball
2: come on guys
1: yes i know you're making a joke
2: but, goal, and of course the goal. halftime show is about football
1: it's not about football it takes place during the football yeah. game
2: <laughs>
1: um but yeah but you know you're aware you didn't see it but you're aware, aware of the conversation you
2: know, i heard stuff and so like, you have you know, a meta knowledge of it you'd yeah, say yeah, yeah yeah
1: just keeping your your finger on the pulse as you do oh yeah all right so i'll give you the the adam swark notes version of it um So it started out, it was Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. um, And it started out with Shakira coming out and just basically being Shakira. You know, she's pretty well known for, like, her dancing and stuff and um, her hips. (laughs) So she does a lot of, like. They
0: don't lie.
1: yeah, You know, she does a lot of dancing like that. And she had a whole thing. And um, I'd call her portion of the show um, normal for what she's known for.
0: You know? And then she also is doing the, uh, the
1: Wookiee Wookie singing, right? Josh, yeah. Josh says that she sings like a Wookie because she sings from the throat. Well, she it's she be- sings from the head. It's between
0: say. the head and the throat. So it's <laughs> like, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. She did do a, this strange thing, which people flagged. Like she got really close to the camera and she did this like, I don't even want to do it because I want to embarrass myself. But whatever. For for you guys, I'll do it. She was like she did something like that (laughs) and so people were like what what the hell was that about (laughs) so there's this whole thing about what it was um so more on that i guess later um and then so she did her whole thing for maybe five ten minutes or something i don't know and then jennifer lopez came out and she came out starting out like on a stripper pole Mm -hmm. um which was the beginning of where this whole controversy is that the rest of the show was like they the critics would say it was, like, hypersexualized, and it was especially weird because, like, J-Lo had her daughter on the stage at one point. Like, she did a back-and-forth with her, and it was supposed to be this, like, I guess beautiful thing or something. Her I daughter know. can sing? I, I mean, I'm not a singer. You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. Did it <laughs> seem like her daughter could sing? It seemed like her fu- daughter did fine. That's cool. Yeah, it didn't seem like, oh, that was a train wreck. Why did she do that? Um, yeah, it seemed she was fine. But anyways, the whole performance was um, – Just sort of hypersexual. Um, I can say from my experience, like when I was over at my family's watching it, um, there were several people that were put off by it, um, and I wouldn't call my family um, prude or Mm -hmm. even like – holy christian not by any means like mm-hmm. um so but they were like uncomfortable because like we had our kids there and s- some of the kids not all of them were sort of like in and out of watching it and stuff and it was just this weird thing um but so that was my experience with it is like people that i wouldn't consider you know christian in nature were like this is awkward and like i am feel awkward watching this show right now sure. um so that's the long and short of it it was this like hypersexual thing the whole stripper pool thing um so on and so forth um I want to read a couple different, um, you know, tweets and and stuff from critics about it, so you guys can get a better understanding of just the the pulse of the situation. I know you said you've been keeping up on it, but um, it said it sparked debate. Um, was it empowering to watch two women of color over over 40 performing in a provocative way, or had we reverted back to a pre Me Too movement of objectifying women? Quote, the Super Bowl halftime show was just a bad strip show. We have had so much positive discussion about not treating women like sexual objects. Then they go and do this. You can't cry that women need to be treated better. Then support the display of sexual objectifying. I'm no pr- This is a different person now. I'm no prude, but watching it with my 7-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son was really uncomfortable. Another person. I'm embarrassed for my kids to watch this halftime show. What the hell? Stripper poles, cro- crotch and rear shots. That was another thing. There was, like, several moments where, like, J-Lo was, like, open for the camera and it was yeah.
2: like
1: whoa it was really like jarring i'd call it sure um and this person says no dignity and a bunch of hashtags and then there's of course the the opposite side of people where they're supporting it and you know saying all these different things that you know strong women and and so on and so forth yeah um it's so one person says for 15 minutes shakira and JLo united the masses better than anyone could this is someone from vox um Super Bowl halftime performances can be and often are quite bad, but this year's rose to the top with a mix of fun performance and poignant political statements. A stage full of bright, gifted women, men, and children of color was more emboldening sight than anything PR teams trying to buy their attention could muster. It was a weird night, but it was a good halftime show. So there's that. I want to quickly read this one person's um, review on it. Um, It says, well, until Sunday... That is, when the Super Bowl became yet another chapter in the ongoing sexualization of American culture of women or and of kids. In the midst of our culture's ubiquitous calls to protect kids and women from abuse and harassment, especially in this Me Too era, we pretend that as long as we call it art or female empowerment, that this is sort of overt sexualization will magically have none of the consequences we now complain about. That was an understatement even then. A far more accurate description is that this is an out-of-control social experiment, and the guinea pigs are primarily our own children. In addition to the predatory, hardcore pornography that haunts their devices and online lives, experimental theories about gender and sexuality haunt their education, and as we saw Sunday, stripper poles and outfits haunt their so-called art and entertainment. Um, One psychologist... I think um, says ethics require that subjects of social experimentation give informed consent but in our culture adults force young people who have no say in the matter to go along with their fantasies theories and so called expressions of empowerment and freedom so initial thoughts <clears throat> without having seen it you know but without, with hearing it and hear me explain it what are your thoughts
0: well <clears throat> first of all uh, have you guys seen Hustlers? Sure have. Have you seen Hustlers? It's a whole lot of J-Lo. No. I gotta say, there is some deep beauty in the way that they, that J-Lo in particular is able to move at, what, 50? She's old. She's getting yeah. up there. Which is crazy. Um, and there's a whole scene where she's teaching, of all things, the mother <laughs> from Fresh Off the Boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. But she's teaching the mother from Fresh Off the... Uh, Just imagining that movie yeah, being pitched yeah, to the producers. Weird. <laughs> um, but there's a whole scene where she's teaching her how to strip, and she's showing her different moves on the stripper pole. And she's not, like, stripping or anything, but she's showing her how to, like, glide around the pole. The athletics pole. of it. Yeah. yeah. And it was really impressive. And so I got to think that there's a level at which J-Lo is, like, super proud of that. And... um you know, views it as a career-defining thing, especially since a lot of people think that thought that she was snubbed by the Oscars. Mm. And I think, you know, the Oscars are about to come on. Tomorrow. Yeah. And so I imagine that this is sort of her, like, getting back at them. Um, so there's, there's that. Um, that. That being said, it, it is definitely not the right place for it. And that's really interesting. Mm. Um, Meaning, for the listener a family watched of
1: a, a, a world watched thing where definitely kids are going to be watching and stuff that's what you're referring
0: to right 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 um it's, On a def- major it's, it's not network. it's not a family it's not a family oriented you know thing it, the other thing about it that i think is interesting is the outcries now when we have when we're talking about children when we have things like um uh library stories with drag queens Oh, yeah. That's a big thing here. Right. In, in, Portland. <laughs> in Portland. In Portland. That's a, that's a huge thing mm-hmm. is you have you know, kids who have these things that are not ready for prime time. And for the record, I'm not arguing about the morality of those things. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Stripping and drag queening, if that's a sure. – I, I don't know if you can add a, a run to the know. end of it and make it into <laughs> yeah. a thing. But anyway. Um,
1: Can't you do that with anything?
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm not a- arguing about the morality of it that being said it is interesting to cry foul mm. here but not cry foul there i think that this is i think that the authors are right in that it it does kind of show where we are as a society and i think that we it shouldn't surprise them that that's where we're going in our halftime shows mm.
1: yeah i think the, the the woman who wrote the the article that i was quoting from at the end there she was she was referencing an article she wrote back in 2013, where she was saying, I forget who was performing. It might have been Beyonce. I could be wrong about that. But she was commenting on back her article back then about how she was predicting what's it going to be in a few years, a stripper pole out there? And lo and behold, like that's <laughs> literally what was out there. Yeah, so that's really funny. Like, she like put it got hit the nail I, so, right on the head. So
0: I didn't see it. Was JLo actually stripping or just moving around the pole? She was
1: just sort of spinning around it, but, you know. It was very sex, like the whole performance it, by nature was just very, you know, J Lo right. and Shakira. I mean, well, I the, the other question
0: I have is like, what do people expect? <laughs> have you watched any of their music videos? That's what,
1: I, what was I was saying?
0: <laughs> That's yeah. another. You know, these kids, these kids are watching these video. Like your, like I can understand a movie has a higher threshold for entry. So maybe not everybody's gonna have seen Hustlers. So is that your main
1: your main beef with it then, like um, that it's broadcast on this widely watched thing where where it's gonna be in front of kids? Like it doesn't have the MPAA rating, for example. You know, it's the Super Bowl. Like
0: you're- no, I don't. I don't necessarily have. I don't necessarily. Okay, so let me be clear. So Lucy Brown makes this comment. She says, pole dancing is over the top. The whole show depends on your definition of art. I have no problem with a beautiful body properly admired between a husband and a wife. For the record, I agree with that concept. I also don't have a problem with a beautiful body properly admired um, in, in like a proper art form. Uh, you know, like a, like a proper nude painting, for instance.
1: You haven't seen Titanic. <laughs> I'm sure you know the. What
0: yeah, I'm I know say. the whole thing with Kate Winslet. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, no, uh, I don't. I don't. So I do think that there's more context in which nudity, and this isn't even what we're talking about, in, right. but in which uh, admiring of of the sculpture of man, which includes woman, mm. is. Is proper. I do think that there's more proper context than just between a husband and a wife. Sexuality should just be between a husband and a wife. This clearly blurs the lines of sexuality and and uh, admiring and bodily form. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but what I what I mostly have a problem with is the outrage that people have when that's exactly what they've invited into their living room. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you why do you invite that into your living room? and then are outraged that you have it there. Why do you pretend that your children don't already see these things?
1: Yeah, it's just uh, you're playing dumb or something. The reason
0: why Shakira and JLo were invited is because they have enough popularity, which means that, you know, they they are which means people already know what they do and how they dance and how they act. So So your your issues with the parents. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think that it's incredibly hypocritical. So, do I do I want that for my family and my daughter, for instance, to watch those things? No, and I'm glad that she doesn't. But there's a reason why she doesn't, because I'm not dumb.
2: (laughs) That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So this this is this this is You could just go down so many rabbit holes on this thing. First, first of all, let me say right off the bat, I. I love stripper poles. I think that, you know, um, if I were going to do more remodeling on the house, I'd put a stripper pole in. You know, I'd be shocked if you weren't
1: concocting up something as Josh was
2: speaking. It's just so wonderful to wrap yourself around it and and uh, do some gyrations and I and, you'd probably you probably know, break you your body that, down have if you, you to seen do that, that? Have, well have you seen that Camp commercial greens. have you seen the commercial with the guy doing the Pepsi thing and he's in the bus and he's no, working the bus pull like a stri- anyway.
0: No, but there is a wonderful episode of King of Queens <laughs> where he's doing where Doug wants his wife
2: to do a stripper
0: to do a stripper pull, pull. But then he and he convinces, down. he convinces he convinces her to do it, and then oh she's goodness. just so bad at it yeah. that he just has to show her how should, it's done, <laughs> and he kills it, and he is so graceful. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> such a big guy. He's so graceful. I'll try and find that clip.
2: That's funny. So you know, I think that if if. Uh, you know, I think in in the right cultural setting, like you said, admiring the the human form. You know, I think that if if the stripper poles were popular in uh, in the Renaissance, that Michelangelo would have not only done a David, David on but, a pole, but would have done you know a stripper had a stripper pole in there. Wow. That being said, it's fascinating to me. <laughs> it's fascinating to me that that you have people outraged and i love some of the intellectual comments that you read of people that have really thought this through and they're really anise or they're, they're upset they're really upset by what it is that they're seeing here and josh is absolutely correct uh, you know the tv has an off switch turn the tv off if it bothers you but here we have people that are watching a game it's like bugs to a Which, light. you know, I people that are watching themselves. a game which promotes... So you have society saying they hate violence, but you have a game being watched which promotes violence. Football I don't know about is, that. Well, football is a very violent game. If you've ever played it, you find out the hard way. Um, football is very violent game. And the halftime show is meant to entertain people that are drawn... To watching this game and and now they're talking about the problems with the halftime show?
0: Now that is an that is an interesting point. I, I don't agree that football necessarily promotes violence and I'm not Freudian in my thinking. However, Freud postulates that that the id of a person is mostly sex and aggression, right? And that's really interesting. And the well, idea of football is mean, oh, a very aggressive game. Oh right? it
2: is. And you could you could take it way further in the Stripper Bowl thing by talking about the pole representing the phallus and all the stuff. Well of that's course going that's with, literally what it represents. Yeah, yeah. So
0: the but but that concept of uh
2: sorry to embarrass you, Adam. It's just what am I <laughs> what?
0: phallus means by? penis in yeah, case I know our that. viewers don't know <laughs> yeah
2: this you know um, for those of you who have an education.
0: yeah but um and fetus means baby whole nother story um so but no there there is something to be said for sex and aggression go hand in hand
2: yeah i mean
0: uh, again i'm not i don't I'm buy amazed. into i don't buy into everything that freud said but
2: I mean, I'm impressed to the extent that, like you said, J Lo is. I mean, J Lo's around; she's she's still making it happen.
0: You know what? She is a very underrated actress.
2: Yeah,
1: she's she's pretty good. What do you got? What do you guys think about? And you were alluding to it, obviously, in some of the, your responses. But do you guys think that it cheapens the current, you know, push for the whole Me Too thing?
2: Uh, well, the whole Me Too like, thing. Is first it, of all, is, uh, is is it
1: wanting your cake and eating it too? Like yes. Obviously we don't support men being aggressive on women in that way.
2: That well, that. I mean there's
0: a, there's a certain narrative that that's being written in regard to that. I don't know if me too is is a good example of it, but the but there is a narrative that's being written and if you look at things as being equal, then yes, it's confusing. But if you look at the narrative as essentially men should be subjugated and be below women and so on and so forth, then the idea that a woman comes out and does whatever she wants to and it's great, but if a man participates in it, it's not, that is completely within the narrative.
2: I think it muddies the whole, When uh, we're, we're trying to have some type of a legitimate discussion about sexuality and, and the genders and how people interact. And we've got this whole thing going on with, you know, we've got a trial going on right now with uh, Weinberg. We've got a... Weinstein. 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 Okay. We've got, a, we've got a trial going on Max with Weinstein. Max Weinberg. Max Weinberg 7? Yeah. From the uh, E Street Band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got... Um, you know, people confused about the Me Too movement. We've got people that... So, so I think that it muddies the water about this whole um, sexuality uh, thing that's going on in our culture right now. And makes it more difficult to be able to uh, have a solid understanding. If you're... For people who are confused out there, this would only confuse you more.
0: If you are really trying to seek out justice and equality, as you say, then it's confusing. But if you actually are not doing that, and what you're looking for is the subjugation of men in response to their um, intersectional, uh, their lack of intersectionality, and you think of them as, you know, cisgendered, God forbid they be white, God forbid they be Christian males and you look at them as basically an affront to your intersectionality, then you, whatever you do is right because they're the oppressors.
2: Mm. Right. I'm leaning more towards a kind of a Amazonian-type society that believes that men are to be used as a means to an end.
0: John Parker is asking if anybody you know who's, who choreographed their routine. What? Well, I'm, J- I'm J-Lo guessing Lo it's, may have. I'm, I'm guessing mean, it's J- Yen Wo Ping.
2: I don't know J- <laughs> nice j-lo is is a choreographer and she may have
0: done her own that's true i wouldn't be surprised if she did i i'm guessing you're asking that question from the standpoint of who like made them do it who had the power or authority john i have Um, to
2: imagine it well she's i I just she was heavily involved she's a big enough star that she and she does uh, choreography for for major productions so it wouldn't surprise me if she done her own, if she did her own choreography.
0: Uh, Lucy yeah. Brown says, "When a body through nakedness, gyration, or provocation dress, provocative dress, brings out erotic desires, that is to me dangerous. But looking at an art expression without being sensual is fine. A great looking naked woman or a man is a wonderful creation to be admired." Yeah, I agree with you. Here's the issue with that: is um, the concept of what is sexual is uh, arbitrary. You know, it used to,
2: it it is more like a, it's it's cultural. There used
1: to be a classical definition of what is like beautiful. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah.
0: I mean, we look at, for instance, we look at sculptures of the ancient goddess, uh, was it Diana that people used to steal and have sex with. Like you guys, I don't know if you know about that, but they used to like, people would, uh, take these, take these sculptures and, you know, try to, have sex with them um but we look at them today and that idea of greco-roman beauty is not what we view as beautiful today right you know we view right. that as like fat and ugly
2: mm-hmm. i love the fact it's, it's, that just, lucy, it's in this culture i love the fact lucy brown is such a deep thinker okay
0: wow uh Good job, lucy brown. john parker asks if a woman I, did does it make it okay to if a woman choreographed does it make it okay to do that movement so that's that's what i thought you were going for john um, again, I, I, I'm just going to lean on the side that it, – it, like if you're holding the position – wow. Brittany Kunkel says it's the so you think you can dance people. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> they, they choreographed it? Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Twitch. If, if you're holding that position that uh, – like a Jezebelic position that – men should be subjugated because they are the oppressors and you're holding this sort of intersectionality idea, then it doesn't matter. And though the majority of society doesn't actually hold that position, I think that it's really clear mm. that those in Hollywood, those in the film industry, the movie industry, the music industry, um, are definitely influenced by that position. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Lastly, before we move on, you almost had the perfect segue, so I appreciate it. But what what is what is our thoughts about this comment that i said at the very end from this i think like i said i think he's a psychologist he's a professor or something ethics require that subjects of social experimentation give informed consent but in our culture we see the opposite basically adults force young people who have no say in the matter to go along with the fantasies theories and so called i'm not a student of ethics but like is that true and like is there a hypocrisy in that or what's going on with that
0: <clears throat> yeah I would say it's true, but I don't think that this is a social experiment. I think that it's a social um,
2: implementation. Mm. Yeah, I Which think more skirt. and more what you find <laughs> yeah. is that, We're past social experiment. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think that more and more what we find in our in, in, uh, a nuance of the culture that we live in right now is that you have people that push their particular narrative um, on a number of fronts... Um, and there's no justification for it, but they push the narrative, hoping that that narrative will become uh, ingrained into society.
0: A social experiment is something like MTV, right? Yeah. It was behind a paywall, mm. and people had to pay to access it. And that experiment succeeded. Putting it on national television is the implementation of it. Mm. Right? The they're behind. Yes, I agree, but it's not unethical because especially if your ethics are based on societal norms Um, and they're arbitrary, so there's that if you want to get into ethics.
2: Yeah, I'd say SNL SNL is also a a, a social experiment. Because it's so late? Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely late night. When it first came out, definitely late night and always pushing the envelope.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that was their thing. Not ready for prime time. Right. Mm. So.
1: All right, let's move on. You had made a comment, excuse me, about... Maybe it's going. It's you know, influenced by Amazonian ideals or whatever, and you know, men are at the whim of uh, at the whim of women. Right.
2: Not not Amazon as in right. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos.
1: Uh,
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Although the world's being influenced by those ideals too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna. say... Anyways. um, No, I was gonna ask. I just read the other day that he's worth like 176 billion dollars. Yep. And I don't even like know how to fathom that amount of money. And what at what point is do you have so much money? Like is there a magic number where it's just like I don't know. I can't even fathom that amount of money. No, I agree with you. I agree
2: with you. <laughs>
1: Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. So, uh, the handmaid's tale I mentioned at the top of the hour. So The Handmaid's Tale is basically what Pastor Monty was just saying, although in reverse. It's Mm. this dystopian future, right? And I don't watch it. I know about it. Josh watches a little, knows definitely more than me. I'm sure you have a meta. Oh, no, you don't really have any. I don't watch it at all. But The Handmaid's Tale is a show about um, basically women who are subjected to whatever men want them for. They're sexual slaves, essentially, is the, the long and short
0: of that.
2: So it's Mormonism on time,
0: And it follows... Uh, <laughs> so it's, that's not exactly accurate. The issue is... It, it's not... Yeah. There are women who are not sexual slaves. And there's a whole slew of women who are not sexual slaves. It's women who can have children because there's some mm. sort of virus okay. that wipes out the ability for people to have children. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then the people who can have children I- are turned into... Baby makers. Yeah. And then because they're Handmaids. essentially enslaved to society to make babies. Right. Th- and they're given to to families um, to produce. So, like, the main character, her name is June. Offred. Thought... Offred. Oh. Right? Well, her real name's June. Okay. But her name's Offred. They keep calling her that. And then throughout the, throughout the series, you find out that it's of Fred because the – um because the okay. the the family that she was given to the male in the mm. family his name is Fred interesting Frederick and so so basically she is married to him to produce the children for the other women who can't have children does that make sense yeah. and so she becomes a sexual slave in that regard and then they're not supposed to but the men use those women you know sexually and not just to have children it's a whole thing it's interesting um so <clears throat> i should share this link with you so you can share it with
1: actually it's on the thread if you want to pull it up the uh, the handmaid's tale it's on our culture insanity thread okay um just to post to the, the comment section but um there's a whole thing about darwin's influence on this show and his lesser known work of sexual selection um rather than natural selection I mean, and, you mean eugenics know, yeah, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and piece together a few excerpts from that article which Josh is about to post, and hopefully it you know stitches together to make uh make sense. Speaking make of sense which, if
0: you're looking at the posts, uh, feel free to scroll up, and you will see the post of Doug Heffernan doing a, a pole dance. Uh,
1: you, you dug that up. I huh? found it.
0: Um, oh, wow. So it says, the
1: chief, I think it's talking about the show here, the chief's distinction in the intellectual powers of the two sexes is shown by man attaining a higher, no, this is what Darwin believes. This is a a quote from his book about sexual, about, uh, from the descent of man. And in the sexual selection, but he says the chief distinction in the intellectual powers of the two sexes is shown by man attaining to a higher eminence in whatever he takes up than woman can attain, whether requiring deep thought, reason, or imagination, or merely the use of the senses and hands. And then the writer who is, he's right, he's a historian writing a book about Darwin and his, you know, theories. He says, this distinction could be explained according to Darwin by the fact that men had to struggle against one another in the contest for mates, whereas women were largely passive in this process. And through this struggle, men acquired certain intellectual capabilities late in their development, capabilities that were then only passed on to male offspring. Because of this, the mental state of women was arrested in time and characteristic, as Darwin put it, of the lower races and therefore of a past and lower state of civilization which is a huge influence on the show. Like, that's what it's borrowing from. Sure. On the surface, therefore, Gilead, which is the place in the show, uh, Handmaid's Tale, Gilead may look like an unrealistic society that, cho- that chose to embrace its most extreme views about gender in order to survive. But the brilliance of The Handmaid's Tale is in showing that many of those views in certain contexts are actually not so radical and can even be found in classic biology texts and still are in, in many, um, the writers suggest. But... This all suggests that the reference to Darwin's descent of man in the Handmaid's Tale is not only relevant but even necessary. So I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's him. Sounds
0: like he's pro Gilead. Supporting, yeah, Darwin's theories
1: and what's okay, going on in the
0: show, which is like, whoa. But, anyways. Um, well, you'd have to because Gilead's also associated with Christianity. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's it's so there's a whole thing in with Gilead um, in like there's like prayer and. Uh, the way they talk is religious in nature. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the terms they use, but they use these, like, coming and going blessings. Hmm. Uh, his eye be upon you, or, like, something like that. Like, anyway. So so this writer here, who apparently is
1: pro-Darwin, but he's, he's saying that you can even still find Darwin's influence on, like, classical biology text and stuff. Yeah. Like, students, they're studying biology as far as sexual selection goes. But obviously, that's... The show is... Against that, right? And that's why we're following this character, Alfred. Offred. Alfred. slash June. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And so obviously we're in a time where, like, there's a pushback to this kind of thinking, perhaps not in biology, as he's suggesting, but certainly, like, culturally. But my question is, without God at our base, what will this pushback on Darwin's sexual selection and his influence, what will it amount to? Like, does it, will it be successful or like, where are
0: they, where are they rooted in their pushback of this? Like, what will trump Darwin's influence? Well, it's interesting how confused that concept is, even as you're reading it, like you're like, how is this going against that? Like, yeah, it's pretty clear that this person would have to be pro-Gilead based on what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And as you are, um, as you are... Looking at the material or re- reading the book, it is it's confused because it wants to hold a a, a dissenting voice to this treatment of women, right? Um, which is a distinctly Christian worldview, for the record. But then, in the same vein, it also wants to hold that there is a logic. Are to, you talking?
1: Sorry to interrupt. Are you talking about the Darwin book, or are you talking about
0: the Handmaid's Tale? The book? Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in the Handmaid's Tale, there's it's it's portrayed as archaic and brutal and superstitious, basically to hold these views about women and men um, that the idea that men are dominant over women,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but in the same vein it is also it's like the there's also the confusion of like throwing in the atheistic perspective the The truth is is that this this author is going back too far. Hmm. Like that's that's the key to it. He's trying to give a distinction as to how it is that women came to be subjectified by men in the evolutionary process. My question is, why does that matter? Survival of the fittest is now, right? Right. So if women are a if women according to a Darwinistic theology, because that's really what it is, not philosophy. If according to a Darwinistic theology, you know, man's place in the universe. Um, if you are the weaker of the two, then you are to be dominated and then subjugated. That's just how it is. It doesn't matter who was dominant first or not. And so women, because you know they are weaker physiologically, physiologically right. than men, you know, they are dominated by men that's that's how it should be if you're atheistic in nature if you don't have if you don't have the idea that all people are created in the image of God that is transcendent, that it has nothing to do with your physiology, and therefore you should be treated with respect that's the insidious nature of the handmaid's tale is that it's holding two positions at the same time
1: yeah, I could be wrong <clears throat> I could be wrong I'm not a you know Darwin historian, but I think that in the article, the guy, the author, who is, um, was saying that this writing of his came before um, his, like, more widely known, you know, theories of evolution and stuff. So, maybe it was a natural conclusion, because I was going to say, if it was the other way around, as you're saying, that it's redundant, this whole sexual selection thing, right? Yeah. The survival of the fittest doesn't care about. Sex. It just cares about who's the stronger, <laughs> right? But I can't. I can't remember if if he did say that this descent of man book that talks about sexual
0: selection. Well, if it came, if it came, before, um, if it came first, if it came first, then it's just like every other cultic belief that subjugates women, right? Yeah. That all it is is its justification of your sexual desires.
2: Hmm. So. Yeah, and we we see elements of that even in in reality. I don't know if this is this. A Handmaiden's Tale is a a fiction, an extension of what is presented in the book, but it's still a fiction. But in in reality, we have pockets of individuals, even inside (coughs) of the United States, who practice uh, this in reality. Now, they don't do it legally, and there are problems, but you can go into certain sections of Utah and still find Mormon clusters where this exact thing is practiced. And and, um, it's, uh, and they, they tout, as it were, the, uh, the beauty of the circumstance where uh, they're living in this fashion. So you have individuals who, who have multiple wives, you have individuals that are capable of giving birth, and, and you have a community that, that forms around. Uh, the structure, the roles that end up being placed in that society because of your ability to perform or not perform. Um, and so there's a whole intricacy of, of what happens in this type of a society. I, you know, it goes back to a perversion of understanding um, the position of man. And if you, if you reject truth... You reject God's design, then you have to come up with something in order to justify your own actions. And the reality of it is is that sexually men are aggressive and, are, um, and will dominate those that are less aggressive.
0: Yeah, they're physiologically. I mean, women can be aggressive too, but it's going to be in a different way, and they're not geared toward that the way that men are. Yeah. In, well, you know, I mean, we in general, and we, we physio- talk, yeah,
2: and we talked a little bit about that on uh, on Truth Time in a different context with what's going on with, uh, you know, with women realizing that uh, with the whole transgender thing, and the issue about transgender and people beginning to. Reject the idea that men who are transgenders can compete in women's sports and dominate those sports because they're physically different. And there's a an argument going on in society today. But the reality of it is, is that uh, you know I always I'm always fascinated. Like when I watch martial arts uh, programs and and you see, you know. Uh, Women martial artists and men martial artists, and these women who are aggressive and really good at martial arts, and they go up against a male counterpart, and, you know, just one D, and they're slammed to the ground. Because they're physically different, and even though they may have skill...
1: It's actually disturbing. It doesn't happen here in the United States. It happens in some of the Asian countries. Um, and I've seen some videos that were,
2: I'd love to see
0: Ronda Rousey get into a battle with, Oh, with I have a no, guy.
1: I have no doubt. She could probably take, take on like a good amount of sure. guys. Um, but <laughs> there's a hilarious, hilarious, if not wildly inappropriate South Park bit about the whole male competing. Oh, right. With <laughs> right. <laughs> with macho man, Randy Savage. Right. Yeah. Um, but what South Park episode isn't wildly inappropriate.
0: So um, James Piersina says that The Descent of Man was published in 1871, 12 years after On the Origin of the Species. Uh, uh, and Lucy Brown makes a joke, I think. How does that <laughs> reasoning apply to the superwoman race, the Amazons? Um, continue. Sorry.
1: Um. No, I was just going to say, yeah, you don't find that here. In in the United States, at not least not so much. Not yet. Uh, at least not on the the main level. Like maybe underground or something. Something that's not legal because that's not legal to be doing here within our athletic, whatever, um, leagues. Whether it's like UFC, if if that's what maybe you're. Or they talking keep about,
0: them something. distinct. They keep them for safety. separated
1: for safety because it's true. Like a man would could easily kill a woman with like a hit. Like he can hit. You know. Like their bodies aren't meant to take it as much. It just—they're just physiologically different. Like whether you think it's right or wrong, it's not whatever. It just is. <laughs> like yeah. their bone structure is different than our bone structure, and all these right. different things. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. Um, and for the record, that that door swings both ways. There are things that, sure. that men can't do that A lot, we we like are give weaker birth. in. <laughs> Well, even our ability to process is different, like our yeah. our uh, communication is harder for men we'll for see what I, what I was I, just thinking
1: about physiologically, like their bodies aren't set up to give birth well
0: I mean, well, I, well would, I do mean physiologically our okay. brains are wired mm, differently.
2: okay okay well I, I, when you were when you were reading some of the comments there, I was thinking that the reason why it took uh, men longer to come to the conclusion that they were uh, superior and, and what have you is is because they only think with one part of their brain
0: at a time at a time the and so it took
2: longer to to get to
0: get there and i want i want to be clear men are not superior to women they are physiologically different, different. than women and yeah. that gives them certain advantages and according to scripture they are to they have a certain place in the structure of god's economy mm-hmm. but it's much like the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son. In that, none of them is more God than the other.
2: Men are not superior.
0: Thanks, that's very helpful. <laughs> um, You're not helping. <laughs> my, so, my whole
2: world is shattered.
0: So, notice him laughing. No, so yeah, notice him laughing. Nobody is saying that that men are superior to women in terms of their value. There are things that men are superior to women in in terms of their actuation. Um just as there are things yeah. that women say, are superior again. to men <laughs> yeah, yeah. in their actuation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: all right, let's move on. Let's move on to the Julianne Huff um topic. So you can share <laughs> we th- lost a lot of viewers on that one. <laughs> oh geez. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you over there. <laughs> um yeah, you should post that that Julianne Huff thing to the comments section. Okay. So she was in the, as I said at the top, she was in the, um, the headlines recently, um, for her participation with this one, um, chiropractor. I don't know if he is Swiss or if it was just in like a Switzerland conference. I don't, I don't know if it's both or one or the other, but, um, so this guy who's becoming known for his somatic energy healing as it's called. And it's really, um, Interesting, if not um, disturbing, but basically he's, like, running his fingertips along her body in a specific way, I'm guessing, according to him, um, which evokes uh, or, you know, helps to expel bad energy, as it were, Um, and so... Yeah, it's this whole thing, and the definition of this somatic energy healing says, Somatic therapy is a holistic therapy that studies the relationship between the mind and body in regard to psychological past. The theory behind somatic the theory behind somatic therapy is that trauma symptoms are the effects of instability of the autom- autonomic nervous system. <laughs> past traumas disrupt that nervous system. And so this whole thing is to, I don't know, help stimulate or, you know, Uh, uh, manipulate the nervous system in a way that expels these bad energies or these bad traumas or whatever. So the viral video that was online on YouTube and stuff was her on this, you know, table and this guy's standing over her and she's face down and he's doing this thing and she's like really like contorting in weird ways and it's just really sort of disturbing and a lot of people were calling it an exorcism. That was the, you know, the, the, the hashtag behind it. More likely a
0: reverse exorcism. Um,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that. Yeah, that's our question. What um what are we as believers supposed to make of this and discern from this? Because even from a non-believing perspective as as you saw in that video earlier with that the news anchor or whatever, um it's it was disturbing. <laughs> so what do we make of this? Obviously chiro- chiropractic practices have, you know, their own history which is not um anything that we align our beliefs with. But, um, yeah, what what should we be making of this? Because it's it's becoming a thing with more and more Hollywood, you know, high-profile, highly influential people that perhaps people are going to be wanting to participate in or try out and, you know...
2: It's well, not new. No, it's not new, and, and I, I think
1: even in
0: Hollywood, it's not new. The East has always informed the West in that regard.
2: I, I think that the 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 difficulty for believers, if we take it from that standpoint, the difficulty for believers mm-hmm. are many. Many believers are ignorant of their own faith and ignorant of other faiths. So, what we see being demonstrated here in the Julian Hough issue. Is comes out of uh, comes out of the understanding of Hinduism, and what Hinduism teaches in regard to several things. First of all, the the uh, the the, um, the Kundalini force, which permeates a body. Kundalini. If, I'll if, post if, it if it is if it is lined up correct. So according to Hindu uh, teaching. You have chakras in your body, and those chakras, being in alignment—if they're in alignment correctly—allow the natural force in your body to align correctly, so that you can uh, become one with Atman. Now, there's a couple of a couple of things, or ultimate reality, for the simple uh, definition. So, that, and this is the, the whole yoga thing, right? That's, for the that comes well, out, of, that comes out of hatha what yoga is right. based that's that's half yoga, which is which is taught. Um, in YMCAs, and even in churches across the country. And you even have individuals who go on to say that, you know, well, I'm not practicing Hinduism, I'm practicing Christian yoga, Christian yoga, which is uh, bovine excrement. So the reality of it is, is you need to understand a couple of things. First of all, in Hinduism, uh, the, at the crux of Hinduism, is the belief in reincarnation. And that, and that, and and we, in the West we love to we we take have a different take on uh, reincarnation, the idea of reincarnation, because we don't like the um, the the Eastern understanding, which is more like a spiral where you can go up and down the. A spiral in your reincarnation cycle in the west we don't like that and so we do like a, a circular thing where we're just reincarnated from person to person to person but in in the east you can be reincarnated uh, into an animal or an insect or whatever depending upon your karma and what it is that you do in your life and and so what is being said here is you now have a practitioner who is saying look you have things that happened in your past life which are affecting your current life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you in, in aligning your force to get rid of that bad energy hmm. and to allow good energy to be there. And from a theological standpoint as believers, we simply reject that because that's not what scripture teaches in regard to who we are. We are all created individually by the handiwork of God, and there is no Christianity and reincarnation are incompatible, and no way can you fuse the two together.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to get our higher experiences, if you want to put them that way. That's how Jung, Carl Jung would put it. Mm -hmm. Um, We're supposed to get our higher experiences from God um, and not from ourselves, right? And the whole concept here, like when he's talking about kundalini, he's talking about like an ancient Hindu idea that basically your energy is coiled up in your spine. So there's a physiological component mm-hmm. and that it needs to be released. So something like yoga, what it aims to do is is change your physiology, uh, change the structure of your body in order to better release those energies. And that's what you see happening here. Um, is this ancient Hindu practice that's just been given a modern twist? Yeah, right. It's just been given a modern twist, but there, but he's basically aligning her in certain ways to release the full potential out of her body, um, and it's not new. And you know, going back, like I said, to Jung, who was you know the late eighteen hundreds to the nineteen to the early nineteen hundreds, you know, he puts it in terms of psychology even and um, had an interest in it. People have been messing with this stuff for a long time. Yeah. So it's not new. Yeah. It's just maybe it's new to mainstream in the way that mainstream is. Um, It's more considered fringe, but there's no such thing as fringe when when the entirety of the internet is available to you in a moment's notice before it can even become fringe. Everybody has seen it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was reading an, an article from one of these guys that, you know, supposedly practices Christian somatic therapy, and he was basically trying to challenge the reader, or I guess, um, he was he was quoting like a conversation he had with a woman about why is it such a big deal, what, did, what was one of the main things Jesus did while he was here, he was healing, we're healing, you know, he was trying to like it was this weird, obviously bastardization. <laughs> well, and that's
0: the thing, right? People think that because the outcome Spiritual is similar, yeah. that the that where it comes from is is the same, and, and that's saying, not true. It,
1: he was saying, "Why does it matter? As long as their their life is turning better or whatever." You
0: know? Right. Well, yeah, and better better is arbitrary, right? right? Mm-hmm. The truth is is that Christ only healed on the outside because we needed it. Mm-hmm. It's the forgiveness of sins that causes the ultimate type of healing. One day, this body will go away, according to Scripture. Christ says, "Is it so hard for you to believe that I am who I say I am?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, okay, since you won't believe it, yeah. then I'm going to heal you. Yeah, it was but a faith issue, right? But before that, he said, "Your sins are forgiven." Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. what really heals because people. That's,
2: because that's the central issue,
0: right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, moving on to the last topic. Um, uh, the Kansas City, yeah, Kansas City. So, Kansas City won Super Bowl. Congratulations to them. I guess I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> but before, just leading up to it, um, there was an article about this this church in Kansas City, um, and obviously, it was it was in the the news because of Kansas City being the Super Bowl. But um, about how they have a they hold, like, a specific, like, set of services to accommodate people that go to football games, you know? Okay. That, you okay. know? Yeah. Okay. Um, whatever. But, and... I
0: th- you mean, like, they hold them, like, later in the day or
1: something, or... They hold them just before, just after... Yeah, just before and just after, I think is what it said. I forget the name of the church. I can share you a link. Um, but, oh, where was I going with this? Um, basically, what I wanted to wanted to ask is like is there is there um, is there something that can be gleaned from someone who's putting themselves I guess in the heart of a of a culture that wants to um, forsake uh, that time and and they they're not forsaking it because they still have it right it's just it's to accommodate this thing this football like culture um, so I guess my question is um is th- are they are they acqui- acquiescing more than they should to reach a, a demographic
0: I think it, I think here's like the where,
1: question where's the where's the like the trappings in that I guess
0: So I think it's a bad idea but um the question of morality before God um can be asked by asking a simple question which is if football if you didn't have any time on that sunday because it was football games back to back would you not go to church
1: if you didn't have any time on that sunday cuz yeah
0: like that's the question mm-hmm. i don't think that there's any problem sort of living your life and then deciding um as long as you're as long as you're consistent and You know, making proper sacrifices, I don't mean blood sacrifices, um, (laughs) making proper sacrifices of conscience and so on and so forth, right? If as long as you're consistent, I don't think there's any problem with living your life in regard to that. So that means, you know, it's okay to go to a church service at night versus go to a church service in the morning, like that's that's fine. The issue here is if you can't fit something conveniently in, do you then sacrifice? the entirety of it because you couldn't fit something conveniently in.
2: Right, do we cancel church because there's a football game?
0: Exactly. Everybody wants to see. It? And that's why I say it's dangerous. So do I think do I think it's possible to have a church that is not sinning because they when they make sure to make it so people can go to football because they like football. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that that's so much an issue. But I do think that it leads to a mindset yeah. for those who are uninitiated to the thought process of the leadership yeah. that says we're going to shift everything around for football. What put
1: something before God? And
0: in
2: that it's case, you're worship. creating an
0: idol,
1: right? And that's yeah. that's where I was going with it. Like
2: the games in the afternoon, right? Starts in the afternoon.
1: I mean, I don't know. I think there's. I think it depends where the games being played. Obviously, we have several time zones in our country, so right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was going
2: to say, what's the problem? I don't exactly
1: follow football. Stars. So I
0: think you should, I, I think, I think turn God into a person and not a machine. And then you have to ask yourself, turn God into a person. In fact, turn him into your most desired relationship, you know, your most preferred relationship. So let's say with your, your spouse, right? How do you think your spouse would feel if you had a date with your spouse And then you said, I'm going to watch a football game instead. Your spouse might be like, that's that's wrong. Your spouse, you don't even watch football. Stop goading the audience. Your your spouse might be like, you know, that's okay. Like, I understand this football game is important to you. But if you were like, by the way, I'm going to cancel our date. Then that would be a problem, and if you continued to do it, like show have habit, yeah, that would be a problem. And if your children were watching your your the way that you do go about your relationship with your your spouse, and then they grew up to think that th- football which game is, is, what is more be, important, which
1: is what you're saying. This could lead to is like when you acquiesce to this thing, you're teaching the children right that there's something that should be you should be okay with putting first.
0: So in other words, I think it's a very bad idea. Are there certain circumstances where it might make sense to with certain things? Sure. I think relationship, like for the sake of relationship, like let's say somebody having a baby.
1: Yeah.
0: I think Sure, as
1: one off events or something. Right. But they're making potential they're making a practice. Well they're building a practice. Yeah, yeah. A practice. So
0: Lucy Brown says the sport being an idol, putting before God, uh yeah, sport being an idol, putting before God. So she's on board with that. John Parker says, do we cancel church because the pastor wants to take a vacation? It's about prioritization. Uh, yeah, I think, that that's, I think that that's a good point, And I think it's right for you to draw the conclusion that this extends far beyond football.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The implications are wide-reaching.
2: <sighs>
1: Were you going to say something?
0: You look like you want to say something.
2: I know. <laughs> I was just going to say, John Parker, that you wouldn't cancel church, but the pastor doesn't want a vacation. The pastor needs a vacation, and the church needs to accommodate time for that.
0: I think that you have to go through scripture and justify the concept of need versus want in regard to vacation. The pastor needs a Sabbath. He doesn't need a sabbatical, which has been taken from the concept of Sabbath, and he certainly doesn't need a vacation. Vacation is not a biblical concept.
2: Sometimes the sabbatical needs to be given. I'm just saying, let's be careful about where we're going with that. Because uh, over my 20-plus years of being in the pastorate, I occasionally took a break. And when I did so, it was my responsibility to find somebody to fill the pulpit's needs.
0: Just because you've done that doesn't mean that it's moral. And just because, or amoral for that matter. So it's, I'm just it's saying you neither can't. Or. Well, I'm just saying you can't justify that it's moral simply because it's something that you've done.
2: It's neither or. You will find no. But my my overall point is when we look at church administration.
0: Pastor James
2: pipes in with you and says, "Pulpit supply." Yeah, yeah. When we look at uh, when we look at church administration, Scripture gives a wide leeway to how it is the church is administrated. And so I agree with you, Josh, we'd go back to the idea that, you know, w- are you making this football game somehow an idol? Well, and when we look at so now we're talking about two issues when we and, talk. In, in, in our earlier conversation, and are you then, because you're doing that, Glorifying the violence that is present. The, <laughs> all the, right, full circle and, there. Glorifying and, the id and all um, the stuff that comes with uh, whatever what, they put together in halftime. So it's a, yeah, it's stripper
0: poles. It's two separate. That is, no, but that is an interesting point. What happens at this game that you have chosen to you know to take in? Mm-hmm. Um, I have good food. I want to get good food, so I'm going to go to a house of idols. Or, to get or
1: it. or I'm going to go to this tailgating party where I'm potentially going to be. You know getting drunk or right. like you, you're 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 having to tackle a whole bunch of issues when you mm-hmm. invite it around this thing which is in, indulgent
2: right so the, so the question is
0: did you choose who? okay so lucy brown says agreed james it is the condition of your heart and, and here's what i want to say about that you have two separate issues now that are being talked about because on the one hand everything that was outlined in regard to moving a church service around specifically so that you can participate in a secular activity um, is involved there. And then we started talking about pastors going on vacation. <laughs> thanks, John Parker and pulpit supply. Um, and I think the thing you have to realize is that there's no vacation from God. There's no vacation from giving God his day. And so the condition of the heart, even when you give pulpit supply means that you are coming to God in his body. So that means that you are taking time during that day, even on your vacation, to give God his appropriate time. So while it may be appropriate under certain circumstances for a pastor to go on vacation, it's not appropriate for a pastor to go on vacation from God. And let's and that, be and clear that's, about and that's that.
2: Easier say, it's easier more than ever today. Well, to so be able to accomplish. That so with to the say, right, right, and, right. And so
0: for so, so. so for instance, a pastor to say, "I'm I work really hard and I need a vacation, so therefore this Sunday I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl instead of go to church." Mm. Bad form. Tisk tisk. That is not okay. <laughs> tisk
1: tisk. <Yeah. laughs> all right, guys. Well, we're at our mark. So. Um, yeah, thank you for everyone that participated today, especially, as I said, um, our female listeners for giving us input from their perspective <laughs> so that we're not just a bunch of out-of-touch and out-of-place men, as it were, as people might suggest. So we appreciate that, and we appreciate it in the future. Um, yeah, if you're interested in any things we were talking about, Josh had been posting them in the comments section as we were going along, so thank you, and feel free to, to look at those. Feel free to comment when you watch them or whatever. It doesn't just have to be now. So um, yeah, like and share the video. And I guess we'll see you on the next episode in two weeks. So thanks. Bye.
0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.